you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, and this is your How to Bet NBA Win Totals episode. Today, we'll start diving into the process of betting win totals in the NBA. It's one of something that we take a lot of pride in every single year. I pour my heart and soul into trying to find the value on every single team. You will be able to find all of my articles breaking down the case of the over and the case of the under with every team in the award-winning Action Network app. You get to track your bets in there. You'll see where the bets and money are coming in on for every single game, for every single line. You can track line movement, which is really valuable for understanding what the market has done with various numbers over the course of time. You can track your futures as well, and you can track the futures of one Brandon Anderson, NBA futures analyst, who joins me as we start to break down the win totals. Brandon, how you doing? I'm doing well. I am excited. We, we've been prepping for win totals, both of us deep diving into these teams like August, September leading up. So I'm ready to get into the weeds on this one. And I'm excited where we get to start uh, to pull the curtain back a little bit because of my football busyness and because we're getting these win total pods out to you in mass soon. We get to like, Matt and I get to have like three, four hour recording sessions together. Like we get to just be like, all right, let's do the West today. And we get to talk about all the teams at once and just like go into all the win totals and divisions. And we've done all the awards and yeah, it's exciting. It's a, we, we got actual preseason games coming soon. Real basketball again. I'm out here watching like 1976 ABA finals on NBA TV while I'm in between NFL. So yeah, let's, let's, let's watch some actual NBA basketball. Let's, let's talk about it. So we're going to talk about process today, and we're going to dive into some of the trends. This is going to be a trends-heavy episode, and the idea is to give you kind of a baseline on how we approach betting these win totals. If you're like, I want the picks, where are the picks? Don't worry, don't don't worry. Next week we're going to do we will do best bets up top for every single division for win totals and division bets, and then we'll talk about the teams. So you will have all of that. Do not worry. But today we're going to talk mostly about process, and we'll start Brandon. I think a little bit by. I want to go over last year and I want to talk about some of what we saw last year and (laughs) I did. Okay. I did pretty well. 
quite honestly, because um, I was very judicious with where I use some of the trends that I used last year. Teams like the Nuggets, that would have been a trend-based under for me. I bet over because I was like, this team's going to absolutely whip ass. And they did. They cleared it again. Michael Malone now, again, undefeated in going over. Very excited to have an under on him this year. That's that's exciting. Um, spoiler alert. We already talked well, about that one. Is Michael Malone the Andy Reid of NBA coaches? Yes. Andy Reid pretty much hits the over year after year. I kind of like that. What do you think? Yeah, that's a very good comparison, honestly. Um, one of the things that's been historically true is that a pretty stable number is if you have a win total between 40 and 49. They were 51 and 50 in terms of over-under if you had a win total between 40 and 49. So that's, think of this as, you're pretty good. You're not great, yeah. but you're pretty good. You're expected to be fine. Uh, there are ways to find various teams that if they are in that range are very profitable as you start to split down these trends more. Yeah, those teams last season with a 40 to 49, they were 1 and 8 last year. That was weird. Uh, this is my favorite one because one of the things I found is that a key number in NBA win totals is 50. <laughs> Before last season and the last 10 years, teams with a win total of 50 or more were 19, 39, and 1 before last season. They went 4 and 3 last season. <laughs> so this this like really solid trend I found where, hey, you should probably fade the 50 pluses. Yeah, no, they won more than they lost. Now, it was only four and three, so it wasn't terrible. But right. it was just this weird reversal. And then, additionally, uh, win totals below 40. Have to wait, 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 let, Go ahead. Let, me, let me jump in before we keep going here. I just want to make sure, because to, to me, these numbers are a little confused. It's a lot of numbers right now. So I just want to yeah. make sure the numbers are very clear. So the teams that, are winning, the teams that have a win total above 50, when we say 19, 39, and a 1, that means 19 overs, 39 unders, one push. So so the the, the second number is, is telling you a lot of unders. So the teams that we're saying are the best teams, because we don't have win totals above 60 pretty much, unless the Warriors exist. So here are the win totals, 15 above. Usually we're getting, how many years of data is this? this is 10 years? 11 now. I add another year. Okay. So, so let's see. I'm doing the math here. We're at about 60 of these. So usually we're getting about like five teams a year that are win total above 50. So two-thirds of the time, we're going under on those teams. Two-thirds is a very strong trend. 10, 11 years of data, like, we're, we're going to do the thing where, okay, Brandon, is this a thing? Is this a trend? This is a real one. Like, win total above 50, when two-thirds of them are hitting, that is a significant sample. That is a real trend that is telling you 50-plus wins is a lot of wins. It's really hard to win that many games. Like, I think you're right. In the, in the realm of NBA win totals, 50 is a key number. It didn't work last season. That's all right. It, it's a, it doesn't work every single time. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a thing anymore because if we noticed, the books would notice and they would just fix it and it wouldn't work anymore. So I think that's a real one. I don't think going four, four overs, three unders last season necessarily throws us off. Uh, if anything, I kind of feel okay with it. Like if that's a bad result that we just basically missed by one, like I, I can handle that as a bad year. The previous one, the, the win totals between 40 and 49 is interesting. That one, basically your data is saying, okay, 51 overs, 50 unders. That data is basically saying, all right, we have no, no meaningful trend here. But last year went way under, eight of the nine went under. So I'm trying to think through, like, is that, did, did we just have a bunch of teams that we thought were pretty good? And then like all the guys got traded or injured? Is that what happened? Like, do you have those teams? Who are, who are the nine? 
and who are who are some of the teams that went under? Like, is it like, well, Brooklyn traded away everyone, so they went under, and we, we, it felt like we had a lot of injured stars last year. Like, is that what's happening here? I'm trying to kind of speculate and figure out why did all of those presumed teams go so low? Yeah, so a lot of what happened was it's actually it's teams like the Hawks, okay, that, just that underperform, right? That they like they they did pretty badly um, with those win totals is like pretty much what happened there. Um, is when we look at uh, the Mavericks being another one, right? Like their entire yeah. thing kind of fell apart. The Pelicans, another one that fell apart. The Raptors being another one that fell apart. The Wolves had Carl Anthony Towns's injury. Right. Uh, yeah. Cali- when you're like Pelicans, Pelicans had a lot of injuries. Zion mm-hmm. Ingram didn't play. Uh, the Mavs, Luca missed a bunch of games. Yep. Kyrie exists. You know, there there are reasons for all of these that that we can point to the under. Right. So that's kind of like the the kind of teams that we're looking at as we look through yeah. that list. Um, Cavaliers being the one over that you very correctly nailed early and later. We, we you were on them too. We both get to take credit for that one. Uh, and so that's kind of like what it looks like. One of the things I think that's interesting here is if we look back at the 11 years of sample that I've got and we go to 45 and 49, mm-hmm. okay, we wind up with 24 overs to 19 unders. So it's really the 40 to 45s that have really struggled historically. Um or have, have kind of gone even 24, like 45 to 49 or 49 and a half. The reason I kind of also yeah. kind of bring this up is we talked about that 50 number. This to me is really important. That's why I consider it a key is there is something in the market where there is a resistance from bookmakers to put them at 50. If they're within that range, if they're like pretty good, it's like usually like, okay, 49 and a half. Like there's value at 49 and a half. That value dissipates as we get as once we get to 50 yeah. and above. It is literally like 50 is the marker where I start being, I start like my prior on, on every team that's got a 50 win total is I start with reasons not to like, I start trying to find reasons not to bet the under because that's the prior position. Yeah. And you're going to have to move me all the way from not betting the under to betting the over. And again, like we bet Sixers last year and they went over and we bet Nuggets and they went over. There are these opportunities, I think, yeah. to bet teams that are over 50, but the trend is pretty strong that if there's a team with a win total above 50 that you are like, I kind of am interested in fading them, you should feel at least a little emboldened by this trend, which says over the last 11 years, that number has indicated that the market has too high expectations. Yeah. And I think accordingly, I think that that's a good takeaway. That's an important one that like, if there's a team with a win total above 50 that you're already not feeling great about, then this is an especially green light for you to go ahead and grab that under but I think it should equally be a, a yellow light for you on the team you do like in that range and want to bet the over on. Like if let's, let's just go with, okay, it's, it's an NBA night and the Phoenix Suns are home against the Charlotte Hornets. And you're like, okay, well the Suns have all the guys and the Hornets have noted 173rd best playoff performer, LaMelo Ball. So I know who's going to win tonight. It's the Suns by a bajillion D. And you look at the line, and the Suns are, I don't know, g- give me the line. It's its February, Phoenix is home against Charlotte. What's my line for Phoenix? Nine and a half. Okay, so I'm, I'm gonna ta- I'll follow the sword on this one. When I started Action Network a few years ago, you got on me, I think appropriately so, for being the favorites guy. I was the guy that was like, ah, it's just Phoenix. Phoenix, they're the better team. Take Phoenix. And, so, and I like, 
as a as a newer better, that is obvious. That is the obvious take is to be like, ah, Phoenix is just better, so I'll take them. And sometimes they cover. Again, if they didn't, then we would just know and I was about the other side and books would lose a lot of money. And that's not how Vegas has their giant casino. That's not how this works. So the Suns can cover. They are a lot better. But I think that tells you, typically, as a, as a more advanced better, you know if there's a big favorite, you should start at, okay, well, that's a lot of points. I have to assume the Hornets can keep this close. I better feel overwhelmingly good about the Phoenix side of this hypothetical game that I want to lay 10 points. That's asking a lot. We could go down 8 nothing out of the gates on a couple shots, and now I had to make up 18 points on the spread. We should think the same way about a win total of 50 and above. That, like, what if my star gets hurt and I start 2-8 and eight at the start of the season? Oh, man, I got to win a lot of games at a really high win pace to somehow get to 52 wins and hit my over now, right? Like, it's a long season. It's just like a game. So I, I think thinking of it similarly to assume the underdog role, in this case, the under, like assume regression toward the middle that that bad things can happen. And so I think that that does matter for those 50 plus teams. What do you have for teams that are 40 and below? So for 40 and below, we run into 68 and 62. So 68 overs, 62 unders, slightly over last season six and six last season so it's not that like i don't expect it and if you look back season by season it's not uh uniform there are trends where it's like no no no, every year this trend goes either over or under but this isn't one of those where it's a little bit more um all over the place what i think is interesting about this part of the conversation this kind of gets into it is if we look at the standings last year and this is a big part of the conversation throughout the season all-star it was loudest about the season is just very mediocre there weren't great teams was kind of the idea that was uh, and it was true in that the bucks had the best record in the league with 58 wins which is usually you know usually we have a team that's got 60 especially when we look at the west like, look at this, 53, 51, 48, 45, 44, 44, 43. We had nine teams above 500, which is a, quite a bit, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. Um, and then we had OKC, who probably could have been within, like, had things gone a little bit differently, definitely would have been in that range of 40. And that's what the Mavericks underperforming to 38. And you're always going to have those squads. But sure. what we're really kind of seeing is we are seeing more parity. We're seeing that yeah. the play-in tournament, and the flattening of lottery odds, even in the year with Wembenyama, like we have a flattened curve now of where these teams kind of shake out. We don't see as many teams on the high tail end of wins or on the very low end. And that means that our middle class is very plump. And so I think that's one of the reasons why we're seeing kind of at the, the sub on some of these levels, why last year was different. And so like, that's one of my, my things going into this season that I'm really interested in is how much can I, can I not rely on, but how much can I use these trends? If the entire win percentage model of the NBA is different. And that's before we get into the efforts the league made over the summer to curb rest and try and improve player effort throughout the season. 
Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say, too, is to me, my instinct of, of seeing, you're right, that everything is more compressed now. The the West, what you've got the standings up. What what was the Sacramento Kings record as the three seed last year? Was it 48 wins? 48 and 34. Yeah, so if we go back through seasons. I'm just going to guess we do not have a lot of 48 win three seeds in the NBA. Like that, the, the very low three seed. 53 season. was the three seed the year before. Right. So... And like what that does then, that that gravity pulls down everyone else because Denver wants to be the one seed. They want home court during the playoffs. But if they can just walk into the one seed because 56 does it and Jokic can like not even try for the final month because they don't need to, great. Let's not try and rest our guys. Like why are we going to try in meaningless April games? We don't care if we win 60. We're the one seed. Like we got it. Like I think in some ways this ties back to the the 2016 the the 73 and 9 season the last like truly truly great regular season that we then saw didn't end up with a championship and was is now this like asterisk great season appropriately so cuz you got to win at the end to to be the great great team and they didn't in part because they ran out of steam and they got some injuries in the playoffs and it was like it was pretty clear that that regular season push at the end of the day, maybe it wasn't worth it because I, I still think it was. I still think that's a special thing, but it clearly made their chance of winning a championship at the end lower. And so I think like, you know, again, we'll get to the Warriors. Do the Warriors have another magic season in them? I don't know if they want to. I don't know if they really give a rip. Like maybe they just want to get in as the sixth seed and get to the playoffs and be like, whatever. I'm not trying hard for a week in January so I can get one more first-round playoff game. We're the Warriors. We'll just go win a road game and try hard for that game for five more minutes and take off the entire month of January. Like, I, we're seeing teams, I think, start to make make those decisions. So I do think it makes sense that even with the new rule, with the 65 minimum, like, superstars are mostly playing up there anyways. Like, it's, it's well, 65 minimum for awards and the, the, the resting rules and all that, like, I think the compression makes sense. I think that's why we're not seeing quite as much the outlier teams. We, the media, we, the fans, have have made rings discourse such a huge thing more than ever that, like, why would you want to put all your eggs into a basket and, like, go crazy and get to 50 wins or 55? And, like, seeding matters some, yes, but also if everyone else is kind of treating the same way, you don't even have to push as hard for the seeds that you want anymore. The Nuggets were perfect last year. They were a one seed that no one believed in. Like, yeah. <laughs> like no, I, you got all the like, bulletin board you need, and you still get to play at home in the elevation. <laughs> like, I'll cop to it. Like, I was, I was shook by their performance in March. When every year I'm like, March basketball is useless and stupid. Don't pay attention to it. <laughs> and then last year I was like, Oh no, they play really bad defense. And when I should have been like, Bet the Nuggets, we're getting such good value. Like, I will never forgive myself <laughs> uh, for that mistake. Buckets is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Let's talk about timing because I think this the the market is really interesting with win totals. Um, the win totals first come out after free agency. We usually get them. Um, we got them one year actually before free agency. A book was so excited uh, to try and develop a market that that never happened again because they got killed on them. We get them in essentially once free agency starts to wind down in mid July, and you will immediately see, as it is with any market, sharp betters, big money betters will come in and hit various numbers that they if there's a limit that they're allowed to do so on. And the market, and this is one of the, the huge advantages I think that um, the books have, and this is across sports, right? When you put these numbers out earlier, you have so much time to analyze and get more information on what betters are doing and to adjust your numbers based off of it. And yeah. we, saw, we saw this with the Kings last year. We've seen it with um, a number of other teams that came in and adjusted uh, with other teams that got moved up and down and all over the place. The bulls, here's a good one. The bulls opened at 30 at 41 and a half last year. And then it moved all the way down to, I believe 38 and a half was the closing line. And they won 40. You could have middled the Chicago bulls, which is so appropriate, yeah. right? There's all this motive, but there is this kind of thing where these numbers have gotten hit. What I would say though, is if we tell you that a number has moved by two wins, in my opinion, it is very rare that we find something that has moved two wins and no longer has value. Like, if the market is indicating, you can, I, in, in general, I think that the market indications on where the, of the moves of these teams are sound. This isn't like point spreads where a point is a big deal like it is an NFL or a half point's a very big deal in the NBA I honestly kind of think that like one and a half to two is probably a little bit more of where you have to get to on average this isn't like that in that there's so much variance in win totals when you go over you go you tend to go way over like there's a lot of of research that kind of suggests this and uh let's I'm going to return to to prove that, let's talk about the teams with an average with a win total north of fifty. Okay, yeah. the average number of wins for all teams with a win total of fifty in the last ten years is fifty-two. If you went under, you average about forty-eight point seven. If you went over, you averaged fifty-eight and a half of actual wins. That's like think about that. So like, yeah. It's it's a that's a ten win swing there, and you have basically on average these like pretty significant like one to two games under could probably feel pretty good in in by the end of March about your under bet hitting, and then like your over bet you probably nailed by March, by like early March, and so the average differential in overs is three and a half wins. If they go over and 6.7 unders, um, and this is for a win total of 50. So my point here is when we see movement on these win totals, 
I don't think that that if you're looking at betting it, you shouldn't be like, oh, I missed the best of the number. I personally don't necessarily know if I think that that is as true with NBA win totals as it is in other markets. You always want the best of the number. But I find it to be rare that it's like, oh, no, 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 you you definitely missed the best of the number, unless it's a situation like Cleveland last year with the Donovan Mitchell trade. Yeah, well, that's a different situation because we've 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 changed the makeup of the team. So I don't know that that's really a fair comparison. But yeah, I I think missing the best of the number, you're right, is totally different than an NBA night in our hypothetical Suns Hornets game that like got steamed down to minus seven now. So minus nine and a half. And okay, do I still want the bat? Like, okay that three-pointer might actually matter now. Like, we may not want the bet anymore. It's a different situation where it is, at the very least, because the NBA has so many games, we got 82 games to work with, a win or two out of 82 is not the same as, like, the Philadelphia Eagles or the Baltimore Ravens, two teams I wrote about in March and said, I like the over, and then money came in on the overs on both those teams all summer, and the Ravens went from 8.5 to 10.5. On a 17-game schedule, that is a massive swing. Two wins out of 17 is a huge, huge swing. Two wins out of 82 is not a huge swing. Two wins out of 82 is random luck, which could be that in the NFL also, but like it's it's not nearly as much fractionally to think of that. So I think, too, like even just the way that these lines are moving, it's great that that you can get it on the smaller number or on the, on the, the better number early on. But like you said, like we're gathering information, big, big money betters. Like we're not opening these lines and books aren't getting like six figure bets on an over here right away. Like they're not going to take that bet. They're getting you listener at home, your $20. They're getting your 20 bucks in and you got the best, of the number and we're very happy and we want you to win. And as a whole bunch of $20 bets come in, maybe because we told you to make those bets. Now they're like, all right, well, we're getting a ton of overs on here. Maybe like, all right, we lost a bunch of $20 bets. Let's bump this line up. Maybe it was down a little bit. Like, I, I realize the dollar amounts are off here, but like the, the setting the line early and slowly adjusting as we learn more information, like they're, they're in a sense, in some ways, almost paying for that information, being willing to take a slight hit at times on the information as they gather more to get the line right. But I think you're right that, getting if you are hammering down to like well i have this team at 37.8 wins and their win total was 37 and a half but now it's 38 so i'm out like you shouldn't have been in you shouldn't have made that bet in the first place if you are that close on this margin and it's it's different than games i think the corollary that's especially helpful for me right now is a better is okay i'm shopping around i got the action network tools up i'm looking at our sponsor, Bet MGM, and perhaps some other sports books out there. I see a 37 and a half. I see a 38 and a half. But for that extra win, I'm getting a plus 125 rather than a minus 120 at 37 and a half. Which one should I play? This data, the same thing you're talking about, would suggest that in that case, like you're getting 45 cents more on the dollar for one extra win. Usually we're not splicing down to one win at the end. Like, when we get to a lot of podcasts out there that recap for the year, how did we do on win total overs and unders? You can do that podcast like three weeks before the end of the season and have your answer to all but like four teams. Cause we've already, we already know what's happening with them. 
and, so, and you can usually, if it's going to be a booth decided by one win, guess what? You can hedge that last game of the season. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. Like now you just play the money line on their last game on the other team and you can hedge or that sort of thing. I think, I, I think uh, Joe Dallaire and I did that with the Wizards last year where we got this like juicy middle 36 and a half or something. And then like they tanked hard out at the last game and, and we still were able to get a profit in there. So even if you're sharp on one or two wins down the end, as long as you're paying attention, you can still use the ticket that you got to your advantage and, and still get out of it or get a win out of it. I will say, I don't think preseason generates enough steam. Hmm. I think that you can pay attention to how teams play in preseason. Um, preseason's meaningless, but you do get a sense for if the team is in a good place or not. Uh, I I bet the Blazers over last year, and I knew by like the second pre preseason game, I was like, oh no. <laughs> because it, the whatever it is, they did not have it. Like this ain't it. And there are teams that you will spot and be like, like the Kings were one where I'd already bet them heavily, so I didn't reinvest. But you watch the Kings in preseason, and you were like, oh yeah, yeah we're we're good here. And like, look, yeah, it's that, a long that's season. one where I got that's I got put my hand up. That's one where I missed on last year, and you tried, you tried really hard to get me in on Kings, and then you could just tell. And especially early in the, uh, preseason and early in the season, like the light the beam thing started real fast. And it's like the vibes, the vibes were immaculate. And I was way too busy watching football to catch a lot of Kings games. Let's just be honest. But I, I just, I could tell on the, the, the nightly light the beam trending on Twitter. I was like, oh, I, I got way wrong on the Kings. Like there's just Kings are positive is not a thing I'm used to having happen. And you can just tell sometimes with these. They don't, they will not provide you with, a lot of in-season win totals. It's not like NFL where the first three weeks of the season, you can still bet essentially a full market. NBA, they're much more selective. Yeah. But I will say that the Kings are actually a really good example of how some teams, they will hyper sharpen. They'll just be like, oh yeah, no, we got this way wrong. Let's, you know, let's offer this at a really high number to try and balance out what we're going to lose on this. But there are exceptions to that. And they're usually these small market teams. And the Kings were a good example of this last year where, and I didn't go far enough. Like we should have been betting division the whole way. We should have been like, they're the best team in the division. Like they just are. They're the best team in the division. And we kept being like, oh, if the Warriors can get it together, oh, the Suns with the And we just should have been betting, betting the Kings division the whole way. But from a win total standpoint, there were still opportunities to get in on Kings early. So what I'll say is, um, I think your the limits and windows are are tighter, but especially if you're somebody that listens to the show and you're betting NBA every night and you're paying attention to it every night, there will be opportunities, I think, for you to either... It, you can back out of a position as part of it, Yeah. right? Is if you get in and you're like, oh, I think this team is going to be terrible and then they're going to go under. Warriors are a good example of this for me, right? Where I'm going to bet the Warriors under and then if if the Warriors come out and just absolutely rock from game one through game five... I'm probably going to be like, I'm going to take a little bit of a higher number, risk the middle, and yeah. and just go ahead and hedge out of this. It's rare, but there are some of those opportunities early in season. Yeah, I, I my here's my example for that one. If you recall, I had last year, I, I we knew Wembenyama was in the draft, and I was all in on this position of we're going to get tanking teams. Give me like five teams that I'm confident are at the bottom. Give me all the unders because. I think they're all going to pull the plug and get a lot of losses. And we did trend that way eventually. But one of the teams that was in my poo-poo platter unders that I had was the Utah Jazz. And I had like a 
two or three unit bet on the Jazz. You remember I was like, this team sucks. They have all these yeah. random parts and they're going to trade. A, they started trading away everyone, traded away Donovan Mitchell, traded away Rudy Gobert. And so I did the Brandon thing and logically made all the moves that I would make that they were not actually making yet and traded away Jordan Clarkson. And I traded away, I traded away all the guys. And I was like, so now they're terrible. It's the only logical conclusion, bet the under. And it like died by December, the under that I had. However, two weeks into the season, it was very clear that that under was not a bet I wish to have made. And Will Hardy was doing stuff. He was the early coach of the year candidate. And if you remember, I, I basically was like, holy wrong. What did I miss on the jazz? What's happening? And did some deep dives and found like some interesting stat trends about, I even forget now, but it was like their three point volume was up. Like they were, they were doing some of the, like the nerd analytics stuff where they're finding mm-hmm. edges on tempo on threes, whatever. And then that meant that there were certain matchup advantages. And effectively I was able to get back my lost jazz bet by saying, okay, well that was really bad. What went so badly? Oh, they're good about against these sorts of teams. So then I lost the win total in my futures on the app. I'm down three units because of the jazz, but I won a bunch of spreads and money lines in October and November. Cause it was like, Oh, Hey, I was wrong on the jazz, but the books haven't quite caught up yet. They were a little down on the jazz too. They're pretty good right now. What's the thing they're doing to, to make themselves good. How can I get back the money I lost already on the impending win loss total? So again, if you follow night to night, Futures, win totals, whatever they are, don't have to be set it and forget it. Like you can set it and then be like, well, that was wrong. And sometimes you just lost the money. Sometimes you you can't and shouldn't chase. But win totals, you can. There are lots of ways around it, whether it's night to night or season long. Maybe it's a division bet if there's a team that you were in on. Like there are a lot of ways to be creative with it. So I I think as long as you're paying attention, and look, if it's September and you're listening to a theory podcast on how to bet win totals, I'm going to guess you're paying attention. As long as you're paying attention night to night, you've got a lot of ways around this. Should be. Uh, give me the 30 second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you. Give me the 30 <laughs> second version of your process for determining your projection for a win total. So I think I would call it top down is that I, I look at the highest, highest level and say, okay, what are all the teams? Where are all the rosters? Who moved where? Where are all the pieces going? Then I'm at each team. Where does What's the trajectory of each team? How do I feel? What are they trying to do? And kind of make some initial projections. And I just start to like zoom in one step further, one step further. Okay, here's this team. They lost these four guys. They added these five guys. What's that mean for their offense? What does it mean for their defense? What's that look like for their offense and defensive ratings? Zoom back out. Okay, what's the whole league look like? And I'm kind of Zooming in, zooming out, trying to add granularity as I do more analysis, trying to zoom in on win totals, win ranges, and then kind of zooming out to say, okay, what does that look like from the league as a whole? Do all the numbers add up? Like, am I adding up to 1,230 wins, which I think is the, the number of 82 games and all everything? So, yeah, it, it's a start high, high level, zoom in, zoom out, and kind of just keep getting closer and closer to the numbers and, and end up with the ranges. 30 seconds, maybe like a minute. How did I do? Not bad. That was actually, that was pretty good. Um, we've talked about this. You should be able to generate, even if you're doing ranges, you still should be able to generate a power rating, something close yeah. to that from those numbers. So, well, I'm excited. Yeah, so that, that's new is that's that, uh, that didn't fit in my 30 seconds, but that you helped me with that actually to, to kind of like get a formula. And so 
this year for the first time, I have like a a number now based on, okay, and I don't know, I, I'd never got here before, but like I effectively have an offensive rating and a defensive rating for each team. I can have ranges because I'm all about range of outcomes, but I kind of can say, okay, what's the median or what's the average on that? So here's where I'm putting you at to start the season. Well, okay, if, if you can just figure out the difference and that's your that's your net rating effectively. And if you have a net rating or a projected net rating, you can do some math and turn that into a win total as well. Or vice versa, if you have a win total, you can do the same math backwards and turn that into a, a net rating. So that's been helpful. And I think that's an extra tool that I'll have to then carry into the season and say, okay, Phoenix, Charlotte, I don't know why this is the game that I decided we're doing, but what what's my win? What's my net for each team? What's the home court? Like if, if you are not a person that has this crazy model Excel spreadsheet with all the numbers, you know, like a me. few simple numbers just as a, as a starting point. And I yeah. think this is a way to get some starting points. Um, mine is, I got, this is the first year that I have projected actual wins and I'm not just basically being like, yeah, I think they're going to win like 54. And then like trying to basically move up and down. I have a power rating based off of last year. Essentially this is it's half court and transition numbers. Um, versus average teams so how much better do you score versus an average team in half court and transition and then the key for me is really how often do you play in those sets because if you're somebody who's really good in half court but you don't ever get there because you're trying to run the ball for whatever reason you're not gonna be as good and if you're a really good transition team but you don't run it doesn't matter as much just doesn't help you as much uh spoiler alert that's why i'm low on the nuggets um so out of all that i get a number that's essentially a point differential and that's mm-hmm. my power rating. And then I'm able to take the power rating and extrapolate it to number of wins. And so I have projections for these teams and I'm not going to be using those projections as like, I'm betting 30 teams. And if the number is below it, I'm going to bet that. No, 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 no. The other thing is that like you, I take that. Uh, it's funny. Cause I take, you go top down. I go bottom up. I've got the yeah. number from last season. And then I've done things like, okay, Dallas added Grant Williams and Seth Curry. And presumably will try and win games this season. And so what's their upgrade? I have them a half point better than last season, which is really annoying because they were really good last season by my metrics. Like they should have won a lot more games and Pythagorean backs that up. Like that's one of the things that you have to kind of do is you can't just be like, Oh wow. This is the, this team is good and they didn't win games. Well, that's the problem with the regular season. Right? So I have these, these, uh, essentially adjusted power ratings that I'll start. Yeah. And then as the season starts, I'll start moving them down. And then about a month in, I'll have enough sample size to actually use new data. And then we'll have a different right. ranking. These are the manual adjustments on the power ratings are important and they're important from a win total perspective. Again, um, my number has the mat has the, the nuggets at 48 wins, which nuggets fans think I'm insane for saying they're like, there's no way this team wins le- less than 50 games. Um, I think they will. And that number tracks for me. But there are cases where I'm like, man, I don't know. Like right now I've got the Mavericks as the number two team in the Western Conference. I can't justify moving them their power rating down. Because I'm like, they did get better. Like their roster is better. I don't like their five-man lineups. But the number says what it is and they got better. I can't move them down after they improve the roster. So now I'm kind of stuck with the Mavericks. But I'm not betting the over on Dallas in part because I'm just like, I don't trust the number. I think sometimes you have to have that skepticism towards your what your number comes up with. If you're doing a bottom-up like I am, if you're doing top-down, I think from you, you're already starting with your priors and working to create a number. So I think it's a little bit different. 
Yeah, I I think that that's true somewhat, but I think that that just to clarify, like I, I focus a lot on, and I think this is helpful because we're gonna we're gonna be kind of. Hopefully this is information for you as a listener that's useful in that you're probably going to listen to all of our win total discussions through the 30 teams. And we're going to be talking through like, well, how did I get here on, on this number? Why am I under on this team? So for me, I'm looking a lot at, okay, like pull up last year's basketball reference page and what do the, the minutes look like for this team? And let me do some surgery I've removed player number one, four, seven, and 10 out of the minutes. They're not on the team anymore. I just took the, the most minutes on the team and I got rid of them and I got rid of the fourth most minutes. That's going to drastically change the makeup of this team. Now, who were those players? Was that Kevin Durant? Because that's not great. You lost a lot of Kevin Durant minutes. That's not going to go well for your team. And now I know, okay, well, that's probably like a positive defender and it's a clearly very good offensive player. So if we're taking that player out and putting in, I don't know, whoever else, you're putting in a, a, you know, Dennis Schroeder now is in that spot instead, not really one for one. But if that's the minutes difference, okay, what does that change? What does that look like now looking at an individual player and basketball is a team game, not a player game. So this is a flawed process. So best we can do is, okay, we subtracted out these three, four, five players a minutes, or in the Suns case, 17 players. We got rid of everybody. We brought in all these new names. And with Phoenix, I guess I, I shouldn't have brought them up, but they're not a good example here. Phoenix is not going to fit well in my yeah. system. Phoenix is imagination. Like, I, I don't know what Phoenix is because normally I'm looking at, okay, subtract three players, put in three players. And I can kind of, I've learned over the years how to piece in, take out player X, put in player Y. Okay, I said Dennis Schroeder. Take out Fred Van Vliet for Dennis Schroeder. Assume he's going to get most of those minutes in Toronto. What does that mean? We don't know the answer for sure because it's not just a one-for-one -one swap. That's not how basketball works. That's why we like it. But I can have an idea of, okay, how does he play on defense? How does he play on offense? How has he played in different teams over the years? What might that look like here? And so then I'm, that's where I'm getting to the offensive ratings, the defensive ratings. And then just one other thing, too. You'll hear me talk about, like, okay, uh, Brandon, what's your win range on this team? And usually where I get there is – I kind of like to look back, okay, so now I've got an offensive rating and defensive rating. Importantly for me, I'm not interested in did you finish 6th last year or 12th in offensive rating because now we're comparing to just the other teams from that year. I want the actual number. So are you a 112, a 115, whatever? And as I figure out that number, and then I rank them all against the other 30 teams this year, so now I know, okay, this year you're about 8th to 12th in my offensive rankings. Now, let me look back in the last, like, five years of teams I actually care about that are relatively modern and relevant. Okay, I have the 10th best offense and the 18th best defense. Do you know off the top of your head what that team is? I don't. I need some context. So I'm going to look back and say, okay, let me look. Oh, okay, two years ago, the team that had the 10th best offense, the 18th best defense was, I don't know, the Indiana Pacers. Oh, yeah, that was that team that had this guy and all right, well, they uh, they were a play-in team. They won 41 games. Like, it, it's kind of saying, okay, let me purposely compare apples to oranges and say, let me create a make-believe team that is the fifth best offense but the 25th best defense. I've created the Kings. What does that look like? Is that a really good team? Is it a 45-win team, a 40-win team? And again, not a perfect process because it doesn't always work that cleanly. But if I find, like, seven or eight of those teams that are kind of similar – 
that's the win range that I'm coming up with to say, okay, well, usually those teams don't make it to the 50s, but that really good offense lifts the floor enough, and, and they're usually at least like 41 and up. They're a clear playoff team. So to me, as I'm looking, I purposely don't have a, I have them at 48. I have that just because I have to be able to have an answer for a podcast, but I want ranges. I have range of outcomes to kind of imagine the multiverse on things. And uh, yeah, so that's a little more in the process. I guess I used up more than my 30 seconds. We knew it was coming though. You've got some current rules and some things on here. We missed on the on the list here, one from above, that I think is a really important one because it's one that surprised me when we looked at it last year with Pythagorean wins and expectations of what the underlying number is said from the year prior. So I want you to get into what what did you find on Pythagorean and how that goes to win totals for the year. Yeah, we're on long and so I'm, I'm going to give a, a couple of, of, of rules. I think it's interesting to talk about that. Um, as a baseline, this was a thing that completely rocked my world last year. Which was every year before when I was doing these, I took the logical approach of like, this team should have won 57 games last year, and they only won 52, and their win totals 51 and a half. So clearly, we should bet the over. Yeah. One of the things I found is that in general, that's an exception to the rule, in general, these win totals are anchored a lot more to what it's called the Pythagorean wins, which is you take point differential and you extrapolate it over 82 games. Like there's a formula you can take to take a point differential and turn that into what you should be expected to win. You can find this on cleaning the glass. There's a bunch of other sites that have it. The numbers are usually weighted towards those. The result of which is somewhere along the way. And I don't have like the actual definition of like how this happens, but there is a, a process somewhere in that function is that the market is ignoring what actually happened. Like this yeah. is a rare occurrence, I think in the, in when we talk about betting markets and it's one of the specific things with the NBA with 82 games and the number of possessions is that the numbers essentially are indicating that this team should have been better last year without ever really answering. Okay. Yeah. But why weren't they? And so what we have is we have a pretty consistent trend that teams that overperformed, that won more games than they should have based off of their point differential, go slightly over. And teams that underperformed and won fewer than they should have, go slightly under. So teams that underperformed in Pythagorean wins uh, at at least one or more prior in the year before were 35 and 46 going into last season. Last season, again, in a reversal, they were 5-3 and three to the over. So 35 uh, overs, 46 unders. And then last season, 5 overs, 3 unders. So it was a little bit of a reversal. But what we have here is a general trend. The biggest thing I can tell you, and I'm like in a delicate place with this trend, I can cross-reference it with things like 50 win totals. Right? Yeah. Like If you're over 50 and you underperformed last year, that's a red flag for me to, to bet under on you. The biggest thing, though, I can tell you is do not take these metrics that indicate a team should have been better and expect them to regress there. And don't yeah. take the opposite, which is teams that were better than they should have been in wins and think they're going to get worse. The numbers say yeah. the market is overcorrecting for those. Yeah, I think that's the main takeaway for me is I feel like, again, if I think back to five or 10 years ago, Brandon, I think... I think smart, not as smart as he thought he was, Brandon, might have been like, ah, I know how to beat win totals. 
I have a better number than how much they won last year. Here's a magic Pythagorean number that tells me how much they should have won. I'm just going to go off of that. Like, I feel like that's what we think we're doing as betters is we've outsmarted the market on this one. And I think this is telling us, uh, no, you haven't. The market started there. So even too, as I talked about my process, nowhere in my process do I talk about, so here's how much they won last year and here's how I'm adjusting up or down. I, I do not use last year's win total anywhere in the rankings. Like, I don't care. I'm like agnostic of how much did you actually win. I care about the underlying stuff. How'd you get to the wins, the offense, the defense, the pacing, all that stuff. But it, it seems to me like that's what the book is trying to do here also, that they're almost like agnostic to the actual win total and maybe starting more with the Pythagorean and some of the underlying stuff. So we, we can't beat them that way necessarily. The last thing I want to talk about is market and not the betting market, but actual city market. Uh, I've talked to bookmakers and they have told me this point blank that because lower, smaller markets have less amount of fans, they, those win totals get suppressed. Teams like Memphis, teams like Indiana, teams like Milwaukee, teams like Oklahoma city, small market, Midwestern flyover state teams are always going to get a truncation on their win totals. I would tell you that in years past, we probably could have absolutely slaughtered with Lakers unders and fading public teams. Yeah, There is enough awareness and media coverage now that I think that edge is gone. I don't think that like, I don't even necessarily think that if you lean under the Lakers, you should even be like, plus I get the Lakers effect. I don't think you should do that. I think that that has been priced into the market effectively. But the opposite, the teams that are not well covered, the teams that do not get enough attention, Indiana is going to be like the sharp play of all sharp plays. You're going to hear Indiana on our pods. You're going to hear Indiana on the ringer. You're going to hear Indiana on Vizen. You're going to hear Indiana on all of these different podcasts and all of these different content engines, yeah. that you, whatever betting stuff that you pay attention to. And you're even going to hear about it in like the hardcore nerd NBA stuff. They're going to, whether it's a win total or not, Indiana is going to be that team, but the market's still going to be truncated because no one's betting Indiana. So I will tell you that you should definitely be on the lookout for these small market teams that because they do not get the volume, always have a truncation on their win total based off of those. And sometimes that's in, in like Denver's been a good example of this. Honestly, I think is that, Denver's not a doesn't attract a lot of bets, but the analytics love them. And so their win total was like properly balanced and Malone yeah. still found a way to go over. But there's a lot of these teams I think that you're gonna be able to find edges there. Okay. There you go. Small market teams, congratulations. We're we're even now. You don't get to be on TV and you don't get the superstars to come to your team and you don't get any other good stuff, but you do get to bet overs on win total. So we're even. We're we're all happy now. Let's go wrap it up for buckets. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys being with us. Next week we start NBA division win totals and division bets. Best bets for you the rest of the way for the season. We got nothing but best bets coming for you. Make sure to check out the Action Network app. Follow us on YouTube as well. Check out the Action Network YouTube page. You can check out Brandon on Twitter at Wheaton Brando and in the Action Network app. We'll see you guys again next time. Till then, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.